so thankful, again, just to be here this morning, to be here with all of you. And I don't just say that, I truly mean it. I am so grateful, we were even talking about it this week a little bit, an MC of just the gift that the church is um, to myself and to each one of us. It is truly a gift from God that the people of God are able to come together, worship together, encourage one another. That is a true gift of God. And even I think I mentioned this quote a month and a half ago, but it just came to my mind again this morning of just Diedrich Bonhoeffer talking about how true Christian fellowship is so much just the grace of God. For as Dave was just mentioning, so many of our brothers and sisters around the world are not able to gather in the same way that we do freely every single Sunday. So let us never grow weary of being together, of encouraging one another. We truly miss out when, when there are folks, part of our body, that are not here. Not from a judgmental perspective, but God has given us the church to build each other up and to encourage one another in our walk with the Lord. So I truly am so thankful and grateful for each one of you this morning. So today, we're going to start chapter 3 of the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. Dave talked to us last week about men named Timothy and Epaphroditus. He talked about how thankful that Paul was for their partnership and friendship in the ministry. Paul held these men in high esteem, telling the church in Philippi that he had nobody like his brother Timothy. Almost everyone looks out for their own interests, but not Timothy. Timothy looked out for the interests of Christ Jesus. He did not put his confidence in his own flesh, but rather he put it in Christ. And Paul goes on to say similar things about Epaphroditus, as we heard last week. Epaphroditus was a brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, minister, and messenger. The man was willing to do anything and become anything for the sake of Christ. He counted everything as loss for the sake of knowing and serving Christ Jesus. And both of these men were a part of the true people of God. And kind of if you look in your bulletin this morning, one of the two things I'm going to really harp on is that Paul's going to talk to us what characterizes the true people of God versus what characterizes those who are not a part of the true people of God. Both of these men, though, that Dave talked about last week, were a part of the true people of God, true followers of Christ, and they put their confidence not in themselves, but in Christ Jesus. They were wholly devoted to him, and they relied solely on the grace of God and the righteousness of God that depended on faith. Most people are not like Timothy and Epaphroditus. Paul is going to warn us today about those people who put their confidence in their flesh, who put their confidence in what they do and what they have done, and that is a perversion of the gospel of grace. Paul is going to warn us of false teachers who proclaim a false gospel. And Paul is going to show us today the difference between putting your confidence in yourself versus putting your confidence in God. Church, it is my hope this morning that we will continue to look to the example of Christ, look to the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus, that we would imitate them as they imitate Christ. I pray that we will remember that our salvation has nothing to do with ourselves or anything that we have done, but that is a free gift from God. Our faith, our righteousness is all a gift from God. All of our works apart from Christ are filthy rags. So we must look out, as Paul is going to tell us this morning, for those who pervert the gospel, who add things to the gospel, 
There are people who are going to say that you are saved with faith plus something. But you have been saved by faith alone. So let us rejoice this morning and put our confidence not in our flesh, but put our confidence in the righteousness of God. And so with that, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for our time this morning, and then we're going to dig in Philippians chapter 3. Let us pray. Father, we just praise you, and we thank you this morning again for the church, Lord. We're able to gather together and worship you, be encouraged by one another, Lord, hold each other accountable. Lord, if there are ways that we are relying on our own flesh, on our own works, Father, that we can call that out in one another, Lord, that we can be brothers and sisters who just love each other well, Lord, and that we would just, every one of us, Lord, I pray for each one of us that our confidence would be in God, not in ourselves. Father, help us to be faithful, obedient servants of you. God, I pray this morning as I proclaim the gospel, as I proclaim just this message from Philippians 3, Lord, I pray that you would give me wisdom, lead me by your spirit. God, help me not to rely on my own wisdom or my own flesh, but Father, help me to be fully led by your spirit this morning. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, please open up to Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read for us verses 1 through 11 this morning. Again, Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to open that up here. It says in verse 1, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers, and look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Amen. So Paul, right away, exhorts the church in Philippi that in light of all he has been saying up to this point, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Glory in Christ Jesus. Count everything as lost because of a surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Rejoice in the fact that your righteousness does not come from yourself, but that it comes from God and that it depends on faith. 
Put your confidence in God. Church, all of us were dead in our sins, but God showed us grace. And he began that work in us, and it says in the Philippians that he is going to bring it to completion at the day of Christ. So this morning, let us be reminded of the gospel that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let us rejoice in the Lord this morning for the grace that he has shown to us. And church, as we rejoice, let us also remember, as Dave talked about two weeks ago, that we live in a crooked and twisted generation. Second Peter warns us that there will be false teachers who arise in the church and that they will lead people astray with their heresies, with their perversions of the gospel. In their greed and self-confidence, they will try to exploit you with a false gospel. Paul goes on to tell us in verse 2 of Philippians 3, Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, and look out for those who mutilate the flesh. See, there are people, as we read about in Acts chapter 15 and in the rest of Paul's letters, who try to infiltrate the church. They are putting burdens on people that are not in alignment with the grace of the gospel. They are preaching a false gospel. And Paul tells us, he says, we need to be careful. He says they are dogs. And he's not talking about cute little puppies or house pets that we have at home. No, Paul is talking about how in this day and age, cities were infested with dirty, unclean, ravenous dogs who lived in and ate garbage. To call someone a dog was a derogatory term. It was to say that they are unclean, wicked, godless sinners. And Paul tells us, look out for these wicked, ravenous, unclean animals who live in and eat garbage. They feed on garbage. And if we are not careful, then we will allow them to feed us garbage. Their teaching may seem desirable on the surface, but it is in opposition to the word of God. It is a teaching that puts confidence in the flesh and not in God. And it will lead us to destruction. They will say things like, you can do it. Pick yourself up. You are a winner. A positive attitude gives you power over your circumstances. You have the power over your own destiny. All of these statements, all of these things that you may hear, even from people who claim to be a part of the church, they all start with you. And if believed, all of these things will cause us, they will cause you to rely on your own flesh, to rely on your own power. Church, we must rely on Christ. Our flesh is wicked, it is deceitful, and we are powerless apart from the Spirit of God that is in us. The Bible talks about that as Christians, we are not promised an easy life, but rather a life of suffering, a life of difficulty. We must put our hope in something that is greater than ourselves and something that is greater than our circumstances. We must put our hope and faith in the unchanging God. Circumstances change, but God never changes. Put your hope not in yourself, but in the God who will never leave us, never forsake us. God will always be with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So when circumstances in life are difficult, our God who is unchanging 
will always be with us. And he will help us to rejoice, not only in his presence, but also to rejoice in the hope of glory. And so Paul tells us this morning, look out for these unclean, wicked, garbage-spewing animals. He says, look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. See, there are Jewish people who are infiltrating the church and telling Gentiles, which are just people who are not Jews, that they need to be circumcised in order to be saved. These people are evil workers, and they mutilate and pervert the grace of the gospel. Church, we must be on the lookout for anybody that says that you, to be saved, you must have faith plus something. Back in Paul's time, they said faith plus circumcision, and that is a perversion of the grace of the gospel. Today, there are many churches that say you must be baptized in order to be saved. But this is foolishness, this is wickedness, this is in direct contradiction with the teachings of Scripture. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone, and that there is nothing that we can do to add to our salvation. Dave said it best a few weeks ago, that the only thing, the only thing that you and I add to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. No baptism, there is nothing that we do to add to our salvation rather than the sin that made it necessary for God to send his son, Jesus Christ. That is the only thing, the only thing, church, that we add to our salvation is our own sinful, wicked flesh. The teaching, even of the Catholic church, is that you must partake in seven different sacraments in order to be saved. Church, this is a false Gospel. This is not a gospel, for it is not good news. Any message that puts any requirement on our flesh for salvation is not good news, for our flesh is wicked and is at opposition with the grace of God. It is a false gospel, and it brings shame to the sacrifice of Christ. It says that Christ's death was not sufficient for salvation. Teaching that adds anything to salvation other than by faith alone is demonic and blasphemous. To claim that Christ's sacrifice was not sufficient payment for our sins is blasphemous. Anything and anybody that says you must have faith plus do anything is a dog, an evildoer, and a mutilator of the flesh. They are not putting their confidence in God, but they are putting their confidence in their own righteousness. And that will lead to eternal damnation. And Paul will go on in verse 3 to say, For we are the circumcision. Circumcision was a sign that God gave to his people in the old covenant to signify that they were a part of the people of God. The thing that distinguished the people of God was this mark of circumcision. This is what set them apart. This is no longer the case for those of us who are a part of the new covenant. It is no longer the case for us. Those who teach that you must be circumcised are adding to the gospel of grace. Paul is telling us here that the true people of God are those who worship by the Spirit of God. They are those who glory in Christ Jesus. And they are those who put no confidence in the flesh. False people of God require faith plus works. 
They are dogs, evildoers, and mutilators of the flesh, but true people of God worship by the Spirit of God that is in them. Only the Spirit can produce true love and obedience to God. So the true people of God will worship by the Spirit of God, and they will worship in truth according to the Scriptures. They will not worship God falsely, but they will worship in accordance with the Spirit that is inside of them. True people of God put no glory in themselves. They will glory in Christ Jesus. True people of God to not, do not look to their own interests. They do not say to everybody, look what I am doing for God. No, they put their glory in Christ Jesus. When they do good works, which every true person of God will do, they do not say, look at me. No, rather they point to Christ and they say, look at the grace of God. Look at his grace in my life. Look at the grace in what I am doing. They don't look at, they don't call out their own good works and point to themselves, but rather if there's anything good in them, they point that back to Christ. They say, look at the work that he is doing in my life. Again, we can only be obedient by the spirit that is working in us. We talked about a few works weeks ago. God works in us for his good pleasure. So we do not glory in ourselves. We glory in Christ. And lastly, true people of God put no confidence in their flesh. They know that their salvation is wholly a gift from God. Our faith is a gift. We did nothing to earn salvation. We did nothing to deserve salvation. Circumcision does not make us righteous. Having good attendance or even perfect attendance at church does not make us righteous. Being born from a certain lineage does not make us righteous. Feeding the poor does not make us righteous. True people of God put no confidence in their flesh. We know that our salvation from start to finish is a gift from God. False people of God say you must have faith plus something. They put confidence in their flesh. And we must be weary of those who we listen to, and we must test everything against Scripture. This is why, church, it is so important that we are a Scripture-saturated people. The only way that we can know false teaching, a false gospel, a counterfeit gospel, is by knowing what the true gospel is, what the true Word of God says. And that is why we must be a scripture-saturated people. The world and teachers, even in the church, will say things that sound good, but that are in direct opposition to scripture. Church, we must be scripture-saturated to avoid falling into air. Everything that I say, even today, must be tested against scripture. Don't put your confidence in me and in my flesh. Put your confidence in God and in his word. His word is what is God-breathed. His word is what is profitable for teaching church. We must dwell and abide in the word of God daily. Otherwise, we will be led astray. If we just read books that are secular, even if we read books of good Christian authors, church, we can easily be led astray if we are not abiding in the word of God. And Paul tells us, look out for these people. And remember, true people of God worship him by the spirit that is in them 
They give all the glory to Christ Jesus, and they put no confidence in their own righteousness. But their confidence is fully in the righteousness of God that depends on faith. Paul's going to even go on to tell us in verses 4 to three, four through 6, if there is anybody who has any reason to be righteous on their own accord and put confidence in their flesh, it's Paul. He says he was as prominent as a Jew as could be. He would be considered blameless when Jews looked at him and how closely he adhered to the laws of God. He was as pure of a Jew as you could get. And he was so passionate and zealous for God that he even killed Christians. Before he was converted, he cared so deeply for the law and honor of God that he murdered those who he thought were blasphemers. If there is anybody in the world during Paul's time who had any reason to be confident in everything that he was and had done, it was Paul. Nobody else even came close to comparing with the Apostle Paul in his righteousness. But Paul says, even though I have the most reason to put confidence in my flesh, I consider all of that to be lost for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus. He lost all prominence. He lost respect. He lost a comfortable life and endured unimaginable suffering. But he says, all of that is gain. He says, the life I was living in the flesh is literally dog crap compared to the life I now gain in Christ. That word rubbish that's used in verse 8 literally means animal poop. Paul says that everything that he was before Christ, all the success, the prominence, the blamelessness he had in accordance with the law, all of that is disgusting dog crap compared to knowing Christ and gaining Christ Jesus. He says there is nothing better in this life than the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. There is nothing more valuable than knowing Christ, even if every other part of your life becomes horrible as a result of following Christ. He said it is of far greater worth than any human accomplishment or success that we can have in this life. He says it is literally dog crap to rely on your own righteousness, for Paul to rely on his own righteousness. And it is infinitely worth it to rely on the righteousness of Christ that depends on faith. So to give us an example, kind of in our day, of someone that could be comparative, at least in some ways, to the Apostle Paul. So I think most of us here have probably heard of a guy named LeBron James. From a worldly perspective, there's probably nobody else in the world who has a better success story than LeBron James does. He came from a difficult upbringing, lived in an area that was plagued with drug abuse, violence, prostitution, had no idea who his father even was, and still to this day doesn't even know who his father is. And his mom had him when he was 16 years old. In high school, he was deemed the chosen one. When he was 16 years old, people said he was going to be the greatest basketball player to ever live. He had the pressure of the world on his shoulders. And yet in the midst of all of that, never knowing who his dad was, growing up with a teenage mother, growing up in an area much like the south end of Columbus, plagued with violence and drug abuse, 
he has largely, his entire life, never been in trouble with the law. He has stayed with the same wife for his entire life. And he is close right now at 37 years old to becoming a billionaire. And at the very least, he is probably a top five basketball player to ever live, to ever walk the planet. He does all kinds of things to reach out and to provide for the community, starting a school, giving millions of dollars every year to help people. So if there is anybody in the world today that should have, comp- that should have confidence in what they have accomplished, who most people would look at and aspire to be as a role model, as a father, as a successful person, it would probably be LeBron James. And I pray that there is a day that he would come to faith in Christ if he has not already, because I know that if he comes to faith in Jesus Christ, he would say all of the success, all of the money that he has made is literal dog crap in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus. He, like Paul, has the most reason to put confidence in their own flesh, Many would look at LeBron and say, he is a man who hasn't made. He is a man who is blameless for where he came from and for all that he has accomplished and all the good work that he does to help people. If we were to compare ourselves to LeBron apart from the grace of God in our lives, there would be no comparison. He has done far more for the community than any of us could ever do. He has enjoyed and experienced far more success than any of us ever ever will. He has been successful against all odds. But if we were to compare ourselves to Christ and all that he has accomplished, if we are compare ourselves to Christ's righteousness, to his holiness, then we fall far shorter in that comparison. All of us here are closer in status and righteousness to LeBron than we are to Jesus apart from his grace in our lives. That is why Paul says that everything In his former life, all of the confidence that he had in his flesh, he now counts as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. It is all animal dung compared to knowing Christ, compared to gaining Christ, and compared to gaining true righteousness that can never come from our own good works. Righteousness cannot come from anything that we or that anybody does. Nobody, no matter how good they are or how good works, how many good works that they do, can be righteous on their own. All of our works are filthy rags apart from faith. All of our successes are worthless in comparison with knowing Christ Jesus. And the same is true even for those who are most successful, even for LeBron James. I pray that he would someday see the foolishness of relying on one's own self, and that he would know Christ and put his confidence in Christ. And I pray the same for each one of us today. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Look out for those who put their confidence in what they have done and not in the finished work of Christ Jesus on the cross. We have been saved by grace alone through faith alone. It is not faith plus something. It is faith alone. It grieved my heart this week to have a conversation with an individual. When I asked them a question, I asked them, do you know Jesus Christ? And their first two responses were that they've gone to church their whole life and that they've been baptized. And I said to them, that literally means absolutely nothing. 
Those are good things. It's obedient to come to church. It's obedience to Christ to be baptized. But those gain you nothing when it comes to your standing before God. Christ is not going to look at you. He's not going to look at us on judgment day and say, you had good attendance at church and you were dunked underwater. Good, you can be in heaven. You are a good person. No, he is going to say, depart from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. On judgment day, if we think that we will be let into heaven, if we think that the basis for our righteousness is that we came to church and were baptized, then we are deceived and we are destined for destruction. There is one way to be righteous. There is one way to be righteous before God, and it is by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. All who do this will be saved. All who do this will be given the righteousness of Christ. It grieved my heart to hear the response of this individual this week, and I hear this response almost weekly. If you ask people if they are a Christian, if you ask people If they know Jesus often, their first response is going to be, well, I did this. I went to church, or I fed the poor, or I was baptized in church. This is deception. The only basis for your righteousness. If somebody asks you, why are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus Christ? I hope that your response is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, that he extended his grace to me, and that I've put my trust in him. There is nothing, church, that we do to add our salvation. It is wholly a gift of God. So I beg you this morning, put no confidence in your flesh. Repent of your sinful flesh and put your faith and trust and hope in the perfect righteousness of Christ for salvation. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again just for this morning. Lord, we thank you that you have provided a way for salvation for your people. Lord, that we do not have to turn inward and look at ourselves, look at what we do in order to aim and gain favor with you, in order to be declared righteous. Father, for if we do that, we will always fall short of your perfect righteousness of your perfect requirement father for we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of god but father we praise you this morning that you have sent your son jesus christ that he is perfect in righteousness lord that as we look to him that he is our basis for confidence in you he is our basis for salvation is by putting our hope and trust in christ jesus Father, help us. I pray for each person that is here this morning. Father, help us to look out for those who infiltrate the church with teaching that encourages us to put confidence in our own flesh. Father, I pray that our confidence would wholly be in you, in your righteousness, in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be a scripture-saturated people. Father, I pray this morning that there would be conviction brought to each of our hearts, if we are neglecting, Father, to come together and to worship you on Sunday mornings, if we are neglecting to spend time in your word, Father, I pray 
that you would convict our hearts this morning, Father, that we would not think that those are what earn us righteousness of you, but Father, they are necessary in order to avoid false teaching. They are necessary in order for us to know the true gospel, to know you. Father, it says in our text this morning that knowing Christ Jesus is of far surpassing worth than anything that this life has to offer. Father, knowing you is the greatest thing that we can do in our life, Father. And you've provided the way to knowledge to you through your word and through the church. So, Father, help us to not neglect meeting together. Help us to not neglect and relying on you daily, Lord, humbly coming before you and reading your word. Father, that is the only thing that is without error. As we go through life, we will constantly, daily be infected with false teaching. God, with teaching that is constantly in error. Father, help us to abide in your word. Help us to be scripture-saturated people. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray.